Welcome to the Royal Central podcast from royalcentral.co.uk. I'm Lydia Starbuck, desk editor. I'm Monique Blocks, the assistant editor. And I'm Brittany Barger, the deputy editor. This is our podcast, our first proper published podcast, talking about all things royal. Yes. So what should we start with this week? The House of Windsor? Because not much has happened with them this week. No, not at all. It's been so dull for the past month. It has. It's been a really bad month. Like when you think back to kind of the middle of July and we just had the christening and everything's golden and rosy and happy. And now they are, they're kind of fighting lots of different issues. Should we get the really serious one out of the way first? Because we had this new statement from the Duke of York um, about the Jeffrey Epstein situation his relationship with him which he said in this statement was never that involved but it's caused even more questions to be asked hasn't it yeah it's quite oh. a, a vague statement it, it's led to it's led to a lot of questions everywhere because he's saying that his relationship with him was intermittent to say the best um he said he never saw any any suggestion of illegal behavior when he was in Jeffrey Epstein's many houses, and yet people have questioned why this association continued for After such the a long time. Yeah, and he and he did apologize for that too in the statement after um, his conviction. You know, seeing him after 2010 and everything, so he did apologize for his his relations with him after that fact. Because I think he um, I think he's seeing the error of his ways. <laughs> it does seem to mark a moment for Buckingham Palace. Have they taken the right path now? Do we think? I don't know. It still seems a bit easy to do it like this. I think that there's more to come. He's, you know, adamantly denied any wrongdoing. He has mm. never been charged. We have to stress that he has never been charged with anything. It's going to be interesting to see how it plays out from here on out. I think something, I feel like the statement that he put out um, would have been better if it had been put out. I really wish the Queen hadn't taken him to church in the car. Oh, yeah. At the height of the crisis, because yes, his son, she wants to support him. However, I don't think anyone really accepted that as a good idea. It no. just it just looked really, really wrong. And this, there's a fine line with this case because you have to. He has to, you know, stress his innocence, but also they have to be careful not to not to make victims seem like their stories don't matter because the other big story for the house of windsor this week has involved planes of every description <laughs> private commercial big small everything in between so and that's that much was. easier to write about for the press and it has been written about hasn't it uh-huh. it really has does anyone here ever want to hear the word plane again never again <laughs> so we had we had the whole row about private planes used by harry and Meghan just after the duke of sussex had given an interview in british vogue edited by the duchess of sussex in which he was very passionate about not damaging the environment through things like carbon emissions and then we had the statement from elton john saying he'd carbon offset the private jet trips that mm. harry and Meghan had made to nice to see him and his family and then we had William and Kate and the kids on a budget airline out of yeah. Norwich Airport. Yeah. And it's and become I, a massive PR mess. And I love how they've made it seem like William and Kate did this on purpose to make them seem more holier or something. I don't know. It's like the worst ever version of Game of Thrones, isn't it? I'm going yeah, to it's like that. <laughs> Plans for, you know, to visit the Queen at Balmoral and everything, that's set like months in advance. So mm. this is just 
an awkward coincidence. Um, there were, I think Sussex took like, three private jets within a number of weeks. And obviously we know the carbon emissions were offset with the John plane, but the others, you know, we don't know. And, you know, people were mad that um, the Sussex are getting critiqued over it. And I, my only thought is, for me, my critique is not directed at only the Sussex, Sussexes. It's directed at anybody, whether they be royal or not. So the Cambridges, we don't know how they got to Mystique um, earlier this year. They never, they were not spotted on a commercial airline. So you know, was that a private plane? We don't know. And they a lot we don't see. Yeah, and William also is big on the environment. So you know, did they take a private plane? You know, that does carbon emissions. Mm-hmm. You've got. Um, other royals and other famous people that are big with the environment, like Leonardo DiCaprio and George and Amal Clooney, who have private jets and stuff. And it's it's it does appear hypocritical, but I'm not directing this at Meghan and Harry. I'm directing it to everyone as a whole that preaches about carbon emissions and the environment and then takes private jets. And I mean, I find it I find it difficult to believe and some will probably call me naive. Well, that's fair enough. It's been a long time since I was naive, but I'll take it. <laughs> I find it very difficult to believe that Kate or William just hopped on the Internet on Wednesday night and thought, I know what we'll do. Yeah. <laughs> get me on that budget plane. I'll get the kids up really early tomorrow. So you go pack the Peppa Pig suitcases. We're going to Norwich Airport and we're hopping on the prop plane all the way up to Aberdeen. You know, I... I think as well, you know, people are saying well, it wasn't revealed until Wednesday night to the airline. And that's when they flew that plane down to Norwich, isn't it? So it had the Flybe branding on it. But we have to remember there's security around all of this. My interpretation is you could book that months in advance. You may well not tell a public airline until 12 hours to go that they've got this very <laughs> their security contingent coming with them. Because if they let them know, you know, two months in advance, anything can get leaked. There are, we all know very well, there are evil, sick people in this world who could see that as an opportunity. So, I, you know, anytime they they do that um, or any event where, you know, there are events where we get embargoes, you know, and they don't announce it until after they've arrived and stuff. And it's all, all security. And ultimately, I suppose these rows over planes, they'll be forgotten within a few weeks. Just as we forget, middle of June, everyone loved the royal family. We had, you know, the King of the Netherlands and the King of Spain being installed in the Order of the Garter. We had Ascot. Oh. Everything was lovely and shiny and sparkly. And now we're in the doldrums. But really, you kind of feel that as it all as it all filters out, the planes are going to be forgotten. The ongoing issue is going to be the Duke of York. Yep, definitely. And his links with Jeffrey Epstein, and that's the one that, that, that really Buckingham Palace is going to need to concentrate on in the coming weeks and months. And I'm sure there'll be plenty of coverage on royalcentral.co.uk, as there is of many royal stories. So should we move on to some other royal news? Because it has been a really busy royal week, and Mo, a really sad one in the Netherlands, because the royal family yep. lost a very beloved member, perhaps not that well known outside of the Netherlands, although her death mm-hmm. get a lot of attention, and obviously there's a lot of material on Royal Central, but a very beloved princess passed away. Yes, Princess Christina, she uh, was the aunt of the current king, Willem Alexander, the sister of Queen, now Princess Beatrix, and she had bone cancer and sadly she passed away. She was quite a private person indeed, she was half blind uh, due to a disease her mother had uh, when she was pregnant, and she was a very musical person, and she married a Catholic and she gave up her rights to the succession, so she was very much out of the picture, she lived all over the world. But we loved her anyway. 
she was a great person. And what kind of reaction was there to her death? Not in the palace where she lived, had the open days that weekend, and they were all promptly cancelled to give the family and friends uh, peace and quiet to be able to visit her in that chapel that they made for her. And there was immediately a documentary on TV, so yeah, it was quite nice to see the outpouring of support for the family. And the family's been through a lot, haven't they? I mean, you wrote an article, Mo, about yeah. any losses that Beatrix herself has gone through in the last few years. It, it has been a sad time for her, for all of them. Yeah, yeah. Well, some are, of course, natural deaths. Uh, her parents were quite old. And her, her husband was actually quite young when he died, but he, he was very sick. He had Parkinson's disease. And then, of course, her son was perhaps the most tragic one of all, Prince Friso. He was buried in an avalanche in 2013, I believe, or 2012. And he died a year and a half later of complications after being in a coma for so long. And that was perhaps the most shocking one of all because he was so very young. So let's hope uh, it'll be a bit calmer from now on. I mean, and then we saw the pictures for Christina's funeral, you know, and you see all of her... Her, her sisters and then her nieces and nephews. I mean, you. I mean, that's another moment where you see that they're a regular family. They're devastated mm-hmm. because they lost a the family member. You know, when it comes to death and grief, it doesn't, you know, avoid the rich and the famous and the privileged. It mm-hmm. happens to all of it. And it underlines, doesn't it? Although, as you say, they're a regular family. They're living in extraordinary circumstances because that very private moment they knew had to be shared. Mm-hmm. with the public yeah. because the public had responded were, were feeling very genuinely sad about Christina's passing and yet that moment where you have to say your final goodbye you know other yeah. people are going to witness yeah they it was a private uh, service and cremation but they allowed the public to view basically her transportation from the chapel to another part of the palace where the service would take place so that was uh, a nice of them to allow the public to see that yeah, and she was the first Dutch royal to be cremated too, yeah. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, both Dutch royals are buried in the royal crypt in Delft, and Prince Friso, I believe, was actually first one not to be buried there. He's actually buried near where his mother lives, and now we have Christina who's being cremated. I'm not sure if it's been announced where her ashes will be interred if all. I think we might be seeing more of that in the future because you know the crypt has a limited number of spaces as well so. So should we talk about happier European story? When we say happier it made everyone laugh but I'm not <laughs> sure like the happy it was. in a Marlian will be too happy because I presume they've prepared a state dinner or at least a menu. Mm-hmm. Brittany, do you want to just explain to us, you know, this <laughs> famous building in Washington? He's had a, he's had a, an interesting week. Yeah, this is just where I smacked my forehead. Um, President Trump has elected to cancel his visit to state visit to Denmark that was coming up in September. Um, he had been uh, wanting to buy Greenland from Denmark. Obviously, Greenland is very um, important strategically especially for us here in the U.S. Um, it could have oil that would be great for us, although obviously Greenland is frozen, so it would you know, take a lot to, to drill and everything, and you get environmental issues with that. Those in Denmark, especially the prime minister, had said Greenland was not theirs to sell because they're more of an autonomous community or a country in North America. So um, the people that really, I think, say, hey, we want to leave the kingdom of Denmark and become part of the U.S., 
um, is, you know, Greenland. And th- these are things that, you know, take a lot of planning. It's, I'm sure money's been spent already. Yeah, it has to be, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. Yeah. you have, I know it was only a two-day visit. You've still got to have official welcomes. You have a state banquet. There are, you know, business meetings and political meetings that are all set up weeks in advance so everyone's there. I mean, it, it in a way, it is funny, but, it you know, I'm not coming because you won't sell me part of your country. On the other hand, yeah. it is a bit of a snub to Queen Margaret. I mean, she's, you know... She's a hardy soul and she can give as good as she gets, but she's the Queen of Denmark. She's invited him to her country mm-hmm. and he's not going because she won't give him a chunk of it. Exactly. And yeah. obviously Trump is a very um, divisive issue here in the U.S. A lot of his supporters have said it's great that the state visit was cancelled because um, it saves money and time and Denmark doesn't really matter. I'm not here to say, you know, whether the right or left or whatever um, I'm not, you know, this isn't a political podcast, but Denmark is a very key ally for the U.S. Um, in NATO. And so it, there's more to it than just canceling it, to save money and everything. Money has already been spent, like we were saying. Um, I mean, and this is a key ally for the United States um, with military and different things. So um, it, it makes the, the situation kind of sticky. Of course, we have mention our um, partners at True Royalty during this podcast. They um, give a special little promotion discount for Royal Central uh, readers to join their um, subscription service. It has been dubbed the All Things Netflix Royal. Um, and this week they debuted um, The Royal Wives of Windsor. So if you need something to watch today, right there it is. Um, and so this one is going to focus on the women that have married in. So the Duchess of Cornwall, Duchess of Cambridge, Duchess of Sussex, um, Diana in the past, Fergie in the past, um, you know, their focuses on their lifetime duties for queen and country and the charities for their choosing. And obviously fashion is going to be a focus because with, especially with Kate and Meghan, um, it's a, a big thing where they are promoting British and now with Meghan, British and American brands. Um, it also talks about, you know, um, obviously a main job of a royal wife is to provide children, especially for future um, monarch, you know, the heir and the spare. We have an article up on our site um, that talks about it, and we'll give you a link to the promo code, so make sure you check that out. And it's interesting, isn't it, because it is, the focus is usually on women marrying into royal families, whether it's in the UK or across the continent. The men seem to get less interest, don't they? There does seem to be more pressure on how does the woman adapt to being a royal. And you can see that with, like, in Sweden, because you had... Daniel, who married Crown Princess Victoria, um, versus Sophia, who married Prince Carl Philip. He was not immediately welcomed with open arms there in Sweden, and Daniel really was from the, you know, the beginning. So, yeah, I mean, that just kind of goes to that point that the men aren't focused on as much, because you don't really hear it. I don't know if I've ever heard anything bad on Daniel. There, there does seem to be more of a spotlight on women starting with the fashion which is a very kind of you know accessible thing for people to talk about but then moving on to like you say I mean there's still this really old-fashioned idea that your role as a royal wife is to produce a child it's you know it, it is almost the beginning and the end of their royal existence that you must keep this bloodline going even in a family like the British royal family which has like literally thousands of people who have a claim to the throne and we could borrow King Harold if we got desperate he has a claim I think he's like way down in the 70s yeah. but you know, 
there's still this there's still this huge pressure for a new royal wife to have a baby. Yeah, just look at um, Princess Stephanie of Luxembourg. I mean, how long have they been married? Eight years now. Yes, seven, eight yeah. years. Yes, and it is every time she makes an appearance. You've got you can see the lens it's focusing in on her stomach. Yeah. Is a baby on the way? If not, why not? And questioning. You know, she said a few years ago in an interview, didn't she? She just wanted to enjoy being married and enjoy her life mm. as it was at that time. Yeah. But as soon as you even say something like that, there's people going, "Oh, well, that's a cover, isn't it?" That really is true for for them. You know, they really want to enjoy time together. I I, I think they both want kids um but they just they're just not ready to have them yet he's the same age as William isn't he Guillaume they're 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 kind of like 36 35 36 and actually if they were your friends and they'd been married for seven years and they're 36 you think well they've still got plenty of time to have a family but it is this kind of very old-fashioned idea that as soon as royals get married the woman will go into childbearing mode and once you've produced the requisite amount of children with dynastic names, then you can move on to something else. Then you've proved your worth. Absolutely. So <laughs> yeah. Preferably a boy first, even though we've changed all the rules. Can we just mm. keep, you know, really? It depends on which uh, royal, what country we're talking about on changing the rules. Because Spain, if Felipe and Leticia were ever to have a boy, Leonor's. Yes. Gone. Yeah. Maybe leapfrog. I mean, I, I personally don't think Felipe and Leticia. <laughs> I'm going to have another baby. You just never know. They're still of an age where they could, you know. She, they're kind of like, you know, late 40s. He's just turned 50, hasn't he? So it's not impossible. Right. And that would be a bit of a crisis. But I suppose it will change in future generations because Leonor will probably rule. And she will be one of a number of women who are first in line to the throne. Mm. So at that point, do we start putting a focus on the men they marry? Because... The whole situation will flip on its head, won't it? That the main line of many royal houses is going to be female. Yeah, it's only going to be a few that are going to have male. Um, obviously, Japan's going to be male because their <laughs> system that really needs to be updated because that family is going to go extinct if they do not make the changes. Um, and Christian in Denmark. And Christian in Denmark. And um, besides that, everybody else is a woman. You've got uh, Estelle in Sweden, Ingrid Alexandra in Norway. And then you've got, you know, Amalia in yeah. the Netherlands. Elizabeth uh, in Belgium. And actually right now, for Luxembourg, Stephanie and her husband, the hereditary Grand Duke, haven't had a kid. The future young heir is yeah. Princess Amalia, the child, the daughter of Felix and Claire. So that holds true. You know, she will also be a young female leader. But it'll be interesting to see what kind of pressures put on the men who become prince consorts, or king consorts, you never know. If people go to that article, go to royalcentral.co.uk. It's on our front page right now. And there's that link, isn't there, for true royalty at the bottom yes. of it. Well, thank you all for listening. And we will um, talk to you next time. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>